How's it going, folks? I'm Brother Matthew, and welcome to Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And here we are, another Sunday, so we're going to be just, again, just going through the Word of God, just doing a simple walkthrough of the Scriptures. We've been going through the Book of Acts, and just doing a simple exposition it's doing a verse by verse, point by point, using the three points of the Christian faith, the three points of Bible study, which are interpretation, application, and demonstration. These three points are the what, the how, and the why of Scripture. What it's specifically saying, the narrative of the text, and then we back up, slow down, go again through it slowly, and take a look at the how. How it's specifically being said, the specific words and the pictures and the images, and then we then apply it to ourselves to go live it, speak it, think it, do it. That's the what, the how, the why. Again, the passages that we use to back this up is Second Peter chapter 1, verses 20 to 21, uh, how all scripture is given by God to his holy men who wrote it down. That it's not open to personal interpretation. Second Timothy three sixteen to seventeen. All scriptures give them inspiration of God, from Genesis to Revelation, and is profitable. And that we study it as the Bereans in Acts chapter seventeen verse eleven. So those three passages we use to back up this type of study on an expositional study. So we're going to be doing that this morning. Now, as this is Palm Sunday, now as this is a a special time to think about it, that this is a week before Resurrection Sunday. So this is be about the time when Jesus rode into Jerusalem. You know, the palm branches and all this, to set it down and the uh, Hosanna to, to him who comes in the name of the Lord. So that's what this Sunday is in remembrance of. So we're going to be kind of touching on some aspects of that this morning in Acts chapter 19. So please grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens, and turn with me to Acts 19. And again, folks, I just ask, um, I'm not going to be answering any questions. This is not a Q&A. So this is just a, a simple Bible study, so I hope you don't mind. If you have any qu comments, questions, issues, insights, anything like that, uh, you can just hold that till tomorrow, and I'd be happy to get to it then. Or if you want, you can always email me at christiancoffeetime at gmail.com and I'd be happy to get in touch with you that way as well. So, again, just a simple study. So I hope uh, you're looking forward to this. hope this is a blessing to you. So please grab your Bibles, notepads and pens and grab your tea, grab your coffee as this is Christian Coffee Time. And uh, we're going to be just walking through this simply. So Acts chapter 19, starting verse 1. And it came to pass that while Paulus was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. He said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? Okay, so an interesting question. Have you received the Holy Ghost? Now we're going to take a look at that. But as the Lord says, as the Lord says, the, you know, if, if I leave, I will send my comforter unto you. He'll teach you all things. He'll guide you in all things. He'll hold you, seal you, instruct you, cause you to be in remembrance of everything which I have told you. The Holy Ghost is the instructor and the teacher. And before we get into this, let's take a look at, at, uh, what he's, at how he says this. Have ye received the Holy Ghost? An interesting question that we'll look into after we pray. 
Our Father, we thank you for this day, for this time. And Lord, that you'd help us to understand this passage about the gift of your Holy Spirit and the importance of this. And Lord, I pray that you would bless us, you strengthen us. And Lord, I pray that you bless all those who watch us. It'd be a blessing to them. Encourage them and help them. Lord, help me with this. Give me the words with which to say. Lord, I pray you bless this Bible study. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right. All right, so right here we take a look at verses 1 and 2, as we're going to be springboarding off of this. Paul, having passed through, and as he's going around from place to place, he's teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, I always found it kind of interesting, this question. This question, have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? Now, as Paul also wrote in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, you were sealed of the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, without getting into too deep about the uh, details and talks about uh, the differences of dispensationalism, notice that the different, this was a different dispensation, a different time, as uh, this is the start of the church and the start of the spread of the gospel, and so that there was an age of grace, a, a time, a, a period of, of changeover, going from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant as, as the gospel is being spread, as the, many people have not even heard the gospel yet, as you see as well in the previous chapter about Apollos. And he was a disciple of John the Baptist, and he went around preaching the same message as John the Baptist did, and Aquila and Priscilla took him and taught him and helped him to understand the Word of God more perfectly. And as it says here, it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, and then Apollos went and preached Christ, as he changed up some of the points there, hey, how's it going, as he changed up some of the points of his preaching, and he started preaching about Jesus Christ. Now, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, certain disciples, not this, they were not disciples of Jesus Christ yet, but they were disciples of John, John was the one that, that ushered in Christ. And uh, so they followed the teaching of this of repentance of John and about the about about Jesus, but they did not understand more perfectly, like Aquila and Priscilla taught Apollos. And Paul says here, "Have ye received the Holy Ghost?" Now there's only one gospel, one message. There's only one way, one truth, one life that will cause you to be able to receive the Spirit of God. There's only one way. There are many that believe in Jesus. There are many that believe in different, in different gospels and different religions and different things. But there's only one that actually brings the sealing of the Spirit of God, the gift of the Holy Ghost. There are many other religions, you Jehovah's Witnesses. They preach a Jesus. The Mormons preach a Jesus. The Catholics preach a Jesus. There are many, many, many around that believe in a Jesus that believe in a gospel. Jesus, when he was on earth and he was going around, uh, walking the dusty roads and going town to town, preaching and healing and, and uh, helping the people to understand the way, the way of the Lord. And then he rode into Jerusalem over 2,000 years ago. Um, that's what this day celebrates. To fulfill the point of why he came. There are many other religions, many other gospels 
that will talk about Jesus' crucifixion and about all that he did, but it doesn't bring a blessing, doesn't bring the ultimate point of bringing one closer to the Lord and bringing the gift of the Holy Ghost, of the eternal security of the Holy Spirit sealing us. Ephesians 4.30, in whom it, it grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Sealed unto the day of redemption. Paul poses the question, have you received the Holy Ghost? For that, I want to go over to Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. I indeed baptize you with water. Now, this is John the Baptist talking. I baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. This Jesus, this one and only Jesus, there's no other Jesus. Jesus says, many false Christs will come in my name. There'll be many other Jesuses, but there's only one Jesus that can save you from your sins, seal you with his spirit, and give you the gift of everlasting life, salvation. This one, this Jesus, shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. That's not water baptism. Water baptism does not seal you with the Spirit of God. Water baptism does not wash away your sins. Have you received the Holy Ghost? Have you believed in the right Jesus? So you see the, the full implication of this question. The full impl implication of this question. To receive the Holy Ghost, you must believe in the Lord God, Jesus Christ. Because there's many Jesuses of other religions... That's not God. They reduce his sovereignty. And without getting into too deep of, of studies on apologetics, uh, of the details of other religions, it's just simple enough to say that every single other belief construct in the world has a limited Jesus. A Jesus that is not God. He's just some lesser prophet, lesser than Muhammad, or he's just some angel, or he's just some lesser spirit brother, or ascended master or something. But the Jesus of the Bible is the Lord God manifested in the flesh. 1 Timothy 3.16, God was manifested in the flesh. So you see, even by this, this is why it's so important to back up, slow down, and say, think about this. Stop what you're doing and think about the words. Why did he pose it this way? Have you received the Holy Ghost? Because that then would help Paul to see the full implication of the doctrines that they believe. What do they believe? Where are they coming from? What's their stance? So this is what we want to do. It doesn't matter about the outward appearance. They can have all the most, you know, special, holy, Christian-esque behavior practices and, and words. They say all the right words and they can do all great things, but that's, that's all irrelevant. We pay attention to the doctrine coming out of their mouth. Do you believe in the Lord God Jesus Christ? Do you believe in the gospel by grace through faith or belief alone? Have you received the Holy Ghost? This is very important. Have you received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. We've never even heard that there is a Holy Ghost. Well, that's kind of a problem. Um, but that right there helps Paul see what, what it is that he has to deal with. Where he has to start 
Okay, so they've never heard of the Holy Ghost. Okay, so let's back up. So he's going to have to back up and start walking them through. So you find you find out where the person's level of understanding of Scripture is, how deep their studies are, and then we take a look at their grasp of the doctrines, and you start tailoring the message. It's not just a cut and dry, you know, like a cookie cutter kind of thing. No, it's personal. Everybody learns at a different rate. Everybody grows as a different at a different speed. So we got to be able to be meek and humble enough to be able to slow down for others, to help them to understand. We see Jesus did the same thing. As Jesus walked through, he taught, uh, taught and spake and debated with the Pharisees and the religious rulers, and then he even turned to the people and even sat down with the little children and told the little children that the doctrines by way of parables and helped them to understand. So you see the meekness and humility of Jesus teaching different people at different rates. Paul's doing the same thing. This is, this is an example of Christ-likeness. Have you received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Well, Jesus taught about the Holy Ghost in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. So that would go to show that these people have not much by any way understanding of Jesus' doctrines. So where did they get their doctrines from? Where they get their doctrines from. So this is what Paul needs to now know. Because since they've never heard of the Holy Ghost, they've obviously not listened to Jesus. They have no teaching from Jesus specifically. So he needs to examine this a bit more. Verse 3. And he sent it to them, Unto what then were ye baptized? So if you were baptized... And you were baptized in the name of Jesus. You didn't receive the Holy Spirit. You don't even know anything about the Holy Spirit. You don't you know anything about that. Then what's your doctrines? What's your baptism? What's your gospel? What are you preaching? What do you believe? What do you believe? See, the examination of the heart. As the scriptures say, to examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. You say you believe in Jesus. Which Jesus? You say you have the Holy Spirit of God, the seeing of the Spirit. How did you receive it? You see, some people believe they receive the Holy Spirit by way of water baptism. Some believe they receive the Holy Spirit when they start speaking in tongues or something. Some people have other differing beliefs that aren't quite lined up with Scripture. And those, and those people, we have to be able to show them biblically what the Bible actually says. Ephesians 1.13 says you receive the Holy Spirit upon belief of the gospel. You believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're sealed by the Spirit of God. It does not come upon you when you get water baptized or speak in tongues or any other experience. So, and he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. So they were disciples of the uh, of the uh, John the Baptist, the usher of Christ, as Mar as uh, Matthew Henry put it in Matthew Henry's commentary. He, I like the way that he's... he's the usher of Christ, and ushering in the Christ. So they followed John. Now what did John preach? Well, John was a mighty, mighty, powerful prophet of God. Jesus says he's the greatest of all the prophets. He preached a great gospel message, in a way, of a, a message of good news, and, and preaching to Israel, and preaching to all the people, the, the need to repent unto the Lord, to believe on the Lord, on God, the God of Israel, to, and to make the crooked way straight. And as he's preaching the, the message of repentance unto the people, 
The people would come and they'd hear this and they'd be convicted and they'd repent unto the Lord and they would show their repentance by getting water baptized as a symbol of their repentance. So John preached this all over the place and his disciples went out and preached the same thing. Now this is great, but if we back up, back up into chapter 18, back up into chapter 18. Starting at verse 24, chapter 18, verse 24. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born of Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. Knowing only the baptism of John. Will just repenting, and loving God save you? Well, see, that's the changeover. Jesus says, this cup is, the, is the, the new cup of my blood, the new covenant in my blood. The dispensation changed. The point changed. It's not enough to just love God, believe God, and just go through the acts of repentance you must believe in the Lord God, Jesus Christ. Jesus says, if you believe not that I am, you'll die in your sins. You can love God all the way into hell. You can repent of yourself all the way into hell. But if you have not believed in the Lord God, Jesus Christ, by grace or faith or belief alone, then you're not saved. If you got water baptized, okay, that doesn't save you. you. You have all kinds of spiritual experiences. That doesn't save you. If you take a look at what happened here, Apollos is preaching the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John the Baptist. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And when Aquila and Priscilla, now Paul the Apostle came, and they, he taught Aquila and Priscilla and showed them the things of the Lord and the gospel of Jesus Christ and taught them there for quite a while. And Aquila and Priscilla then, after Paul left, they took up the charge. And when they heard Apollos preaching the things of John the Baptist, they, it says they took him. It says they took him unto them. And look what it says. And expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. The way of God more perfectly. Now, the perfect way of the Lord, the perfect way of the Lord is Jesus Christ. The perfect way of the Lord is not the acts of faith, but it is the person of faith. We put our faith upon Jesus Christ, not upon what we are doing or how we are feeling or how we are carrying ourselves. Yes, these things are good, but they're not perfect. Jesus Christ is perfect. His atonement was all that was needed for our sins. It's no longer by the blood of bulls and of goats, but by the blood of Jesus Christ, the one-time atonement for sins. We look at Jesus Christ, who is perfect. The cross is perfect. The death, burial, resurrection is perfect. The way of God more perfectly understood when you look at Jesus Christ, not religiosity, or just in generic, the love of God. Now, loving God is good. But believing in Jesus Christ is perfect. Because you can love God and still go to hell. But if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you go to heaven. So the way of God more perfectly. So back to chapter 19, verse 3. 
And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Verse 4, Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him whom should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And as we read in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, how, the, how John the Baptist said, The one that would come after him, that baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. What's the baptism of the Holy Ghost? This is where some people who are baptismal regenerationists believe that, you know, that for salvation to be fully complete, to receive the Holy Spirit, you have to be water baptized. Well, they misunderstand the scriptures and they don't know what they're talking about. Water baptism is not an aspect of salvation. Look at the thief on the cross as an example. So what does Paul then do? Paul then takes these disciples of John the Baptist and expounds to them the way of God more perfectly, just like Aquila and Priscilla did. This is what the disciples of Jesus Christ do. We study the Gospels, we study all these things, what the Scriptures say about salvation, the way of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we go out and we expound unto people, all people everywhere, no matter where they come from, their status, their background, everything, and we expound to them the way of God more perfectly. We shout, Hosanna! Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And we show them, the, and we usher in Christ into their lives. Just like John the Baptist did at the River Jordan. Just like the people did in ushering Christ into Jerusalem. We usher Christ into our hearts, into our lives. We help people to see more clearly, expound more perfectly, the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of its simplicity. It's not of religiosity and traditions. It's not about the stained glass and the candles and the pews and the hymn books and all these other different things. And all our rituals and traditionalism and all law-keeping. That's all irrelevant. Put your arm on the table, sweep all that on the floor, and put Jesus Christ there all by himself. It's all about him. As he comes, King of kings, Lord of lords, the Savior, the Redeemer in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. His grace. It's not my acts of penitence. It's not my charities. It's not my going to church, read the Bible, pray, wash, rinse, repeat, and doing all the good Christian-esque things. It's Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. It's all about him. So Paul takes them and shows them Christ Jesus. He shows them what John is talking about. And he causes them to remember. This is the big thing. As Isaiah chapter 62 says, we are the remembrancers of the Lord. He causes them to remember that one time at the River Jordan, when John the Baptist is preaching. Do you remember when John the Baptist turned around and pointed at that man at uh, the River Jordan and says, Behold, the Lamb of God. I should take away the sin of the world. Do you remember when John said that? That one that John was pointing at was Jesus Christ. That's the same one who went all throughout the area healing and teaching and preaching and the miracles. And that's the same one that went to the cross. That's the same one that was buried and the same one that's risen again. And then he would cause them to remember the prophecies. Now, now do you remember what the other prophets said? Remember what Isaiah says. Isaiah 7.14, Isaiah 9.6, Isaiah 53, Micah 5.2, all these others. 
uh, that talked about this, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And he expounded to them the scriptures. He showed them the prophets. He showed them the prophecies and how Christ fulfilled it all. He expounded the way of God more perfectly. It's not enough to just believe in God. It's not enough to just go to church. It's not enough to just love the Lord Jesus. You could love the Lord Jesus all the way into hell. But until you make it personal, Romans 10 verses 9 to 10, and call upon the Lord Jesus Christ personally, until you do that, you're in danger of the condemnation. As John 3, 18, if those who have believed not on the Lord are condemned already. You have to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ personally. You need to make it personal or you are yet in your sins. As Peter said to Simon, I perceive thou art still in the gall of bitterness and the bond of iniquity. Simon believed in this. He believed all this, but there was still something wrong. He was still unrepentant of his sorceries and things. He was still thinking incorrectly. And Peter grieved about this. We need to be grieved enough about how people are lost to be able to expound to them and show them and pray for them, sowing in tears. So Paul here, verse 4, Then sent Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, which after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When they finally understood... And Paul spent time. It takes time. It does not say how long Paul stayed there and taught them. It could have been 15 minutes. It could have been an hour. It could have been a full day. It could have been a few days. Who knows? It doesn't say. The point is, is that you work with the people and help them. You spend time. The Spirit of God will give you the words. You open your mouth. He gives you the words with which to say. And you preach to them. You teach them. You expound to them. You pray for them. The Spirit of God will convict them and open their understanding, open their eyes, open their mind. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they finished connecting the dots. They were convicted by John the Baptist. Some sow, others reap. John the Baptist sowed all of this understanding into them and they were prepared, ready to receive the full truth. Their hearts were softened and they understood what they had to do in looking to the Lord. And they had, they had their minds like the Bereans. They searched the scriptures and they were ready to receive the full truth. And Paul comes along and, and he reaps the benefit. He reaps the whole harvest here. So John the Baptist sowed this, getting them ready. But the one that would come, the Christ Messiah, Paul comes and shows them the Christ Messiah is Jesus. And they finish connecting the dots to see all this. And they exclaim, I believe. And they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and they go and get baptized in the name of the Lord, symbolizing the baptism of the Holy Ghost. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Now, this is where some also might misconstrue this. We take a look what happens here. Now, I also took this and conferred with Matthew Henry's commentary on the Bible and reading up what he said on this, which is interesting. In uh, we see the that salvation, sealing of the Holy Spirit and forgiveness of sins is salvation, and then the laying of the hands is something that by the 
the presbytery, the the leaders, the elders, uh, the apostles in this in this example here, the laying on of hands of blessing and blessing them and sending them out to go and do the things of the Lord, to go and preach the gospel. Because they spake with tongues and prophesied, the gifts of the Holy Ghost were imparted upon them by the laying on of the hands. So we see the praying over them and blessing them, they were, they were full of. They are sealed by the Spirit of God, but they are full of. Full of. They became full of the Holy Ghost, ready to go out and carry the work of the Lord. Full of the Holy Ghost. The Holy came upon them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. These are things we see in the early church. Tongues was the spiritual gift to the missionary, so to speak, as you speak the different languages of earth for quick proliferation of the gospel. And prophesied. To be able to speak, thus saith the Lord, and to teach people to bring them to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And all the men were about twelve. There's twelve of them. And they went into the synagogue and spake boldly. And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly. Now, I love that. Because as we read in the previous chapter, how the Jews persecuted Paul and they oppressed Paul. And they, and he got quite upset with them and says, fine. And he shook his clothes and sa says, uh, fine, I leave you. I'm going to go from henceforth to the Gentiles. He wanted nothing to do with them anymore. And then the Lord came to him and spoke with him. Back in chapter 18, Verses 9 and 10. Chapter 18, verses 9 and 10. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. The Lord encouraged him and reminded him again, Look, I'm with you. All your job is to do is to speak. I do all the work. You just stand up and say the words. I'll protect you. I'll help you. I'll guide you. I'll provide for you. I'm the one that convicts. I'm the one that saves. I'm the one that instructs. I'm the one that does all of that. All you do is say the words. And he reminds Paul of this again. So Paul speaks up. And we see from that point forward, he went back into the synagogues, back to preaching and teaching. And again, he's here speaking boldly, boldly, bold as a lion. Wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. Just like Christ was. Christ would speak up, he'd stand up and speak up wherever he was. His disciples would stand up and speak up wherever they were. Bold, in all boldness. The fear of the Lord. When you have the full fear of the Lord, you'll fear nothing else. Daniel had the full fear of the Lord. He didn't fear the lions. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had the full fear of the Lord. They didn't fear the furnace. Elijah feared the Lord fully. He didn't fear the prophets of Baal. We see all down through this. We see, we see this again and again. The boldness of God. That when Moses was fully charged to go, God brought Aaron and he, and he went. He stood before Pharaoh and before Janus and Jambres. He had the full fear of the Lord. He didn't care about their sorceries and what they were going to do. Same with Paul here. In all boldness. He was saying, Paul eventually, as you see later on, spoiler alert, later on we see we see Paul standing before Caesar. Now that Caesar was Nero, Nero the madman himself. Now that in and of itself is the grace of God, as God is not willing that any should perish. In the Old Testament we see Nebuchadnezzar, emperor of Babylon. 
believes on the Lord, is saved. And Nebuchadnezzar wrote Daniel chapter 4. If Nebuchadnezzar can get saved, if Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter, can get saved to become Paul, then even Nero has a chance. And Paul stood before Nero and gave him the gospel. Nero himself will not be able to say, I never heard, I never knew. That's the mercy and the grace of God. And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly. Now just as Jesus Christ riding into Jerusalem on that, on that great day, and they all would come running with the palm branches in their hands, shouting and singing and boldly ushering in Christ into the city. And Christ boldly riding into the city. Even the Pharisees tried to stop him, but Jesus says if these hold their peace, even the rocks of the ground will cry out. And he boldly rebuked the Pharisees and kept going. The boldness of the saints, the boldness of the Spirit, the boldness of the gospel. We go into all the world. It doesn't matter what their culture is, what their religion is, what their God is. It doesn't matter where they're coming from, what it's about. We boldly preach Jesus Christ. We all speak of Jesus Christ. We all expound the way of the Lord more perfectly, showing all people the way of Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. All throughout the gospel, all throughout the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, the boldness of God upon His servants God is bold because He alone is God. There is none else. There's none other like Him. He's the one that made all things. He spoke all things into existence. He has the authority to go, do, say whatever He wants. He's sovereign. And He gave us a charge, a commandment, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You hear some people say, well, don't preach at me. Well, too bad, because I'm told to. It's the boldness. Now, people get offended. Let them get offended. They, they offend the Lord every day with their blasphemies and with their sin and their abomination. They trigger God every day with, with all of their sin. It's about time they get triggered by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in boldness, we, uh, we offend them with the gospel. They will be offended by it. But I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So the boldness of Paul. And he went into the synagogue and he spake boldly for the space of three months. Now look what it says. Look what it says at, at verse 8 here. How did he speak? Disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. Disputing. Debating. Challenging them. Challenging them. Like Elijah on Mount Carmel. I'll challenge your doctrines to the Word of God. The Word of God challenges you. And we stand up as challengers. We stand up debating, disputing, to persuade them in the things of the kingdom of God more perfectly. We're not just content with just a generic religiosity. It's, it's, it doesn't suffice until they believe in the Lord God Jesus Christ as the word of God states. So we work until they understand. Concerning the, the kingdom of God. But when diverse were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. Alright, so we see in verse 9. 
similar as when Jesus rode in, into Jerusalem. Diverse were hardened. The Pharisees were mad. The Pharisees and Sadducees were mad. They were upset. They hated what Jesus was doing. They hated that the people were praising Jesus. They hated that he was being glorified. And they spake evil. They tried to silence. But what did Jesus do? He rebuked them, kept going. But diverse are hardened, believed not, spake evil of the way before the multitude. See the similarities? He departed from them. Jesus ignored them, kept going. Paul ignored them, just as the Bible says. If any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Let him be ignorant. If they don't want to hear it, if they don't want to receive it, if they will not usher Christ into their lives, then fine, that's their choice. They'll have to pay the consequences. Their blood is on their own head. We keep going. We keep preaching. He departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. Just as Thessalonica, that's right. So we, we see what Paul's doing. Paul is following the example of Christ. Just as, as Jesus taught the disciples, the, uh, the apostles then taught the church, Acts 2.42, and they steadfastly held in the apostles' doctrine. The apostles' doctrine is the doctrine of Jesus Christ handed down all through time. God preserves the doctrine, preserves his word, just as he said unto all generation. Paul's following the same example. The same example in this. He separates these disciples, the ones that just got saved and baptized, separates them and starts teaching them. Starts teaching them as his own little school, so to speak. His own little Bible school. I guess you could say probably one of the first separate Bible schools. And separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. So Paul would bring these disciples with him into the school, uh, school of Tyrannus and he would challenge them and debate with them. And this continued by the space of two years, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. So he continued this for two years. So we see now we're given some time frame. Two years is a fairly long time. Time is irrelevant. My feelings are irrelevant. The word of God the foundation of doctrine is relevant. You can have all the love of God, but if you have not doctrine, you have nothing. You can have all the, the religiosity and the traditions and the rituals if you have not doctrine. If you have not the understanding of, of the word of God more perfectly, you have nothing. If you have not Jesus Christ, you have nothing. You gotta have and understand Jesus Christ. The fullness of his person must be ushered into your life. You go before the cross and you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ fully. He's not just an aspect of Christianity. He's the whole thing. Christian, follower of Christ, disciple of Christ. Many say, well, just love God and just, just follow God and just be mindful of God. That's not enough. They talk about God, but they hardly talk about Jesus Christ. If you're not believing in Jesus Christ fully, you got a problem. Faith in Jesus Christ is all you need. It's all that you need. His Spirit that seals you when you believe upon Him for salvation from sins will then teach you all things. All things of what? 
the Word of God, doctrine. He'll teach you the doctrines. You spend time with Him, your personal quiet time, your devotional time. As you see Paul teaching them and studying, you get yourself with, with, a, with a group of believers and you start learning. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is. Verse 10, and this continued by the space of two years, so, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Now, they didn't just keep it to themselves. And as I like to say, the prophets and the disciples of God in the Old Testament were street preachers. They were not building hiders. Jesus was a street preacher. He was not a building hider. The early church were street preachers. They were not building hiders. Do all the people in your area, have they, have they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ? Have they had an opportunity? Have you tried? The point is, is that we're supposed to take it out. As Ray Comfort likes to put it, hell's best kept secret. Hell's best kept secret is when Christians hide the gospel. Hell's best kept secret. It's the silence of the saints. It's spiritual murder when you refuse to tell others. It's supposed to be open and bold before all, not hidden behind closed doors. So what can we do? We've got to be able to find ways to adapt, to be able to take the gospel out. And until all, all they which are in Asia heard the word of the Lord. Everybody had an opportunity. God is not willing that any should perish. How will they hear, with, uh, hear uh, without a preacher? How will they believe upon him whom they have not heard? So we must go and tell them. All right, in verse 11, And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. The okay, last two verses here, we'll wrap up on this. Now, Jesus promised that he'd be with them and help them, and he'd work with them. And we see in Mark chapter 16, verse 20, how they went and, and preached the word of God unto all the world, and the Lord worked with them, confirming the word with signs following. Jesus says, and mightier things shall they do. Mightier things shall they do. So God is going to be showing them the sheer power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Many places that Paul went, as we see, the word of God was enough. The gospel is enough. Just the message was enough. He would show them Show them the words. Show them the truth, the prophecies. And that was enough to, to convince some. Jesus says, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. But the grace of God is that sometimes, like a doubting Thomas, the Lord will allow some to see. Something to help them. As Thomas says, I will not believe until I see the nail prints in his hands and the spear hole in his side. And Jesus appears to him and says, Thomas, be not faithless but believing. And then Thomas says, my Lord and my God. So the Lord works the signs and the wonders to those who need it. Some take advantage of that and try to run, uh, run with that and uh, creating entire denominations based off of signs and wonders and experiences. And they completely miss the point of doctrine. The doctrine comes first. As you see in Mark 16, 20, the word of God is preached first and the Lord confirms the word. The Lord confirms the word, the scriptures, the Bible. He confirms the gospel. The gospel, doctrine, the word of God is preached first. And that's what he backs up and proves the authority of. 
It's not the power of man. It's not I have power. I declare. I decree. No, it's not of me. I do nothing. I preach the word of God. And God works with me. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. Paul would preach the word. And the Lord would work miracles of that. So that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons. And the diseases departed from them. And the evil spirits went out of them. And that's quite miraculous. Really, when you think about this, that pieces of cloth even uh, brought from Paul would be taken to people. And people see this, this is from Paul. It would help them somehow. I'm not sure how exactly it would work. But they receive this and they remember who Paul preaches. What Paul's all about. What he stands for. As you see later down, uh, we're not going to get to that today. Later down, we see some some of preach. They preach of Jesus, whom Paul preacheth, and that a, a devil spake out of a demoniac and says, "Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. Who are you?" You see, the devils know who Paul is because Paul preaches Jesus Christ fully, and they're afraid of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're not afraid of Paul. Paul preaches Jesus Christ. He's all about Jesus Christ in the fullness. He ushers Christ in fully everywhere. It, he shouts Hosanna everywhere he go, everywhere he, he does go. So we see because of this, so when people receive uh, these cloths or handkerchiefs, aprons, whatever, from Paul, they remember what Paul is all about. The gospel of Jesus Christ, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Very similar to, P to Peter. So from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Did Paul heal them? No, God did. The message Paul preached has power. The gospel has power. The word of God has power. It's not just dead words. It's not just a knowledge war, as some think. There's power in the words. There's power in the blood, like the good old hymn. There's power in the blood. Wonder-working power. So we see the Lord works with the disciples. He worked with Paul. And he guided Paul to these men. The Lord ushers us in where we need to be. He guides us. He guides us with his eye. The full power of this, as we see, from, verse, from verses 1 to 12, the ushering of Christ everywhere we go. As the Jews ushered Christ into Jerusalem, we usher Christ into our homes in all fullness and joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The strength for Paul to go on for year after year after year Everywhere he went, it was not easy. It's not easy work. They didn't have cars back then. Hey, how's it going? We, he didn't have cars back then. They had no planes. They had no trains. They had no cars. They had no trucks. They had no bicycles. That we know of. I don't believe they had bicycles. But they, they, they had no other means other than riding a horse. But they pretty much went everywhere on foot. And they didn't really have the amenities that we have today. A hard life. But as you see, where God can even send the ravens, the bread and meat in their beaks. My strength is knowing my God is with me and my God is alive. And the fullness of Jesus Christ and, his, and the joy of the Lord and the fullness of His Spirit, full of the Holy Ghost, 
I have received the Holy Ghost upon salvation and His Spirit guides me. His Spirit strengthens me. Whose Spirit? Ephesians 3.17 That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. The Spirit of Christ within me. And I rejoice. And I sing Hosanna. And because of that, His Spirit guides me everywhere I go. He opens the way. He's the way maker. He's the caretaker. This is what he does. And Paul, and Paul is an example of this. And Paul says, use me as an example. Look how, look how I did this. So we take a look at what he did. Read about his, his journeys. God doesn't change. Christ doesn't change. His word doesn't change. His promises, his vows don't change. And when they heard this, they believed, were baptized, they went, and they went into all the world, disputing, persuading things concerning the kingdom of God, expounding the way of God more perfectly in the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the volume of the book, it is written of me. It is written of me, as Jesus says. It's all about him. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, it's all about him. Examples of him, foreshadowing him, pictures of him. So how can we apply this to ourselves? As the word of God says, go, do thou likewise. Pick up your palm branches. Lift up your hands, the hands which hang down. Shout Hosanna to the Lord. Usher the joy of the Lord into your life. Praise the Lord. Pray without ceasing. Praise without ceasing. Meditating the word of God day and night. Believe on the Lord God Jesus Christ. Thou shalt be saved in thine house. So usher the Lord into, into your life, into your home, into your house. Fully rejoice in the Lord. And the Lord will bless you. So there you go, folks. That's uh, Acts chapter 19, the first half there. So I hope this has been a blessing to you. Hope this has been an encouragement to you. Please rewatch this and uh, feel free to share this link uh, everywhere. Share it with your friends. And again, folks, if you haven't been able to, please check out the other platforms of this ministry. Uh, we'll be uploading this message to my YouTube channel. So I hope that you'll take advantage of that as well. If you need help finding that, you can always email me at christiancoffeetime at gmail.com christiancoffeetime at gmail.com you can also just uh, in the youtube search bar just put in the hashtag christian coffee time and it'll bring up our videos and it'll direct you to the channel and you can find it there so there you go folks so god bless you god bless you this palm sunday so hope that you have a great day rejoice in the lord and god bless you and as always folks if i don't see you again i'll see you in the sky god bless <laughs>